0: morning everyone welcome to eddie's kitchen live video i'll be your host today clara mutongi today in the house we actually have gideon gideon muranga we shall be talking about ed- refining education today so without any further ado maybe gideon you could tell us a bit about yourself and what you do all
1: right thank you clara and uh also thank you eddie's uh, kitchen for having me today my name is uh Gideon Morenga and I'm happy uh, to be here today. Great.
0: Thank you very much, Gideon. So um, let's jump right into it. In some of these countries, public primary schools are held uh, with high esteem. Parents actually think of taking their children to public schools before private schools. Was there a time in Kenya that there was a Kenya's actually thought that maybe they should just take the kids directly to uh, private schools without thinking of public schools? Thank you uh, for your
1: good question, uh, Clara. And uh, it's good that we are talking about uh, primary education, uh, which is a very, very important uh, foundation for uh, the the young people especially the children uh, in this country and in the world at large. Mm-hmm. so primary any discussions around primary education something that I liked because education is a very important you know aspects a very important foundation for every child and it has very many benefits that we are going to be talking about mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so back to your question on you know whether there was a time uh, when you know public primary school would be held in high esteem mm-hmm. i think looking at the reality of uh, where we are right now uh, there have been a lot of changes and reforms within uh, the education system when you look at right now the number of primary school uh, private primary a uh, public uh, private primary schools are much more compared to how it was some years back mm-hmm. how can we what can we say are some of the reasons uh, you know to this? speech? I would realize that uh, after 2003 uh, Kenya transitioned into you know introduction of free primary education. Yeah. And this had a significant impact on a number of aspects within the primary uh, school level. Mm-hmm. When you look at before, there, you know, uh, the, the, there are few challenges, of course, that were associated with that, which I think are some of the things that we will talk about. Yeah. But then I think most of the you know, infrastructure that we had in the institutions were being restrained because we had a significant uh, increase in the number of uh, students who joined uh, primary school. And because of this congestion and overcrowding in some of the classes, there was need to come up with an alternative way of you know, enabling students to be able to access uh, primary education. And that's why a lot of private school came up, and most of the parents who had the ability to pay school fees were able to transition their kids to private school. But before that, yes, we can say that uh, a good number of public schools were doing well based on the standards then. Uh, If you just try to think of, you know, on top of my head, I remember the schools like, Olympic Primary School in Kibera. These are some of the schools that used to appear as some of the top schools in the country then. But after the free primary education was introduced, there are schools that you don't hear so much about. So that means there's something that happened to most of the public primary schools that led into, you know, parents thinking of, you know, let me consider an alternative institution for my child. So the thing is that, yes, we were somewhere not very bad then, uh, not very challenging, but after the transition to free primary education i think more challenges came on board but also not forgetting that uh, being a developing country we also have our own fair of uh, a fair share of of challenges as a a country so we can't say that our education system has been very very strong even before right wow you
0: have to touch a lot on that now let's see in, in regard to your interaction in our education system, what are the notable challenges that you have come up in public schools?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. In terms of the major challenges that we have had in public institutions in Kenya, and these are all those things that I talked about every day, you know, yeah. things to do with access. How many students are able to access uh, education in the public schools. Uh, things to do with uh, relevance, are we teaching in those schools Is it relevant to what the labor market needs? Is it relevant to what the country needs? Those are important discussions that we have. What is the quality of training that we are having uh, the quality of teaching in those public institutions? So these are like three major areas that I can cite that are important things to look at, which are still being seen as a challenge in uh, our education system. Uh, what kind of curriculum are we teaching? You know, does it relate to the needs of, uh, of our country, you know, how relevant is it and customized to the context of, of our country? If it's a system that we have probably borrowed from somewhere else, is it applicable to our system? How has it been customized to fit the needs of our country? Looking at the aspect of quality, what are some of the, you know, aspects of quality that, you know, quality indicators that we are considering as key in our education system? What do we look for? when we talk of uh, our system or our education system is performing well. One of those indicators that we are using, are we looking at things like completion rates? How many students are completing primary education? For example, dropout rates still uh, recorded as as very, very high right now. Most students primary school uh, school students are not able to complete primary education, how many of them are able to enroll into these uh, institutions. When you talk about things like access, for example, we have issues and a huge challenge in Kenya, especially around poverty. We have so many regions in the country where the poverty level uh, level is very, very high. You know, how we're supporting and enabling students from such kind of regions and areas to be able to effectively be integrated into the public primary schools as well, mm-hmm. because this, uh, the education is as important to them as to any other student in the country. And probably a last thing to touch on that is, uh, we have seen recently uh, issues to do with uh, uh, conflicts in some of the regions in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, conflicts is also a contributing factor when it comes to access to education. Uh, we saw the other day there were challenges in some of the regions, and. Uh, around Turukana area, uh, the Capedo areas, and so on. So when such kind of things are happening, it means the students and the children from these location are disadvantaged. They are not able to access education. And therefore, what it means is that this will become a challenge uh, if we want the benefits of education, to, you know, to be able to reach uh, children from such kind of uh, institution. And I mean, there are a lot of things to talk about, infrastructure challenges. You know shortage of classes mm-hmm. shortage of teachers in this conflict uh, affected regions teachers will not be comfortable i mean uh, even if i'm a teacher uh, i would not be very comfortable if my security is not assured yeah mm-hmm. uh, if i need to go and teach in a location where i know my security or my safety uh, is is compromised so those are some you know issues just to that are really affecting our public uh, schools and our public system.
0: I'm glad you brought about the quality of uh, services. Now, for so long, public schools, our public primary schools have had a very bad reputation when it comes to quality of their services. Is there something, as Kenyans, that we're not doing right?
1: Something to look at. Uh, public primary schools, yes, they have not uh, been having a very, very good reputation. I wouldn't mm-hmm. use the word part in our education, because we are products of those public primary schools, and we are where we are, you know, because of the education we went through in yes. those institutions. So we can't refer to them as one, but they have not been to that standard or that level that mm-hmm. we probably uh, would have envisioned, you know, mm-hmm. to be. Yeah, but i mean uh, just trying to look at uh, some of the things that uh, we, we probably n- need to look at as a country for public primary school i think one of the things uh, i touched a little bit on the quality and relevance and this trickles down into the kind of curriculum what kind of curriculum uh, is being taught in the sound of this uh, in, you know public primary school mm-hmm. i think for a long time um our curriculum has always been kind of knowledge based you know bombarded with so many subjects so you know so much subject oriented and examination oriented kind of curriculum and uh, this i would say not just affecting public primary schools but i think it has been affecting let's say our education system as as a whole and i think one of the things that uh, even the government has been trying to work on is to try and reform the curriculum and that's why I think we all recently know of the, you know, the introduction of the competency-based curriculum, which is now a curriculum that is going to change uh, the way uh, teaching is taking place in this primary school. So the curriculum is going through a transformation process and we believe this is going to improve our education system as a whole. But when you look at, yes, separating public primary schools from private, the issue of infrastructure was a huge challenge then. -hmm. Very few classes. I think we saw, we used to see uh, even on the news, uh, you know, classes from some regions where students, there are no classes completely. We've seen students learning under trees in in some of the regions. This Mm -hmm. has always been a challenge in most of the public primary schools as compared to private schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shortage of teachers, which I mentioned about. Uh, Because of the high number of or the huge, the high enrollment rates mm-hmm. in most of the uh, of the public primary schools then you realize that even the student teacher ratio becomes a challenge so one teacher might need to give an attention to uh, probably a more than 40 or 50 student. then how do you expect that to be effective mm-hmm. a parent will prefer considering a private school because uh, he knows that maybe in a certain private school, the student teacher ratio is probably 1 to 15 or 1 to 20. you know. So so it has a direct impact on the kind of attention you give to, to these learners. Remember, mm-hmm. primary school education really forms a foundation uh, for every child. Mm-hmm. And this foundation, if it is gotten right from the first step, mm-hmm. then this student has been positioned in the right pathway of success in their life. If you don't get to try it at that level, then it becomes a challenge. And therefore, it is of the interest of every parent, just to make sure that their children are able to get a very strong foundation. And that's why they would prefer going to probably a private school, if they can be able to afford it, rather than going to uh, a public school. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think also, I mean, just uh, other challenges that have been uh, affecting you know, public primary schools. Um, when you look at some of the regions, um, the marginalisation has been able to cut out some of the public primary schools. And I even plan to look at that. Uh, how much, when it comes to allocation of funds, I don't have here. But how much funds are even allocated to some of these prim- uh, prim- uh, primary schools, which are far away or in marginalised region compared to the ones around the city? You know regions for example and how much impact does this have also to the quality of teaching and learning yeah and therefore yeah i think it's something that uh, we need to give it an uh, overall approach uh, as a as a country it's something that i can say i think we have started seeing notable changes uh, being made by, by by the government on this because this is a very important element of uh, our development as a country of our growth as a country and therefore, it's just useful uh, to be able to look at uh, how do we make it you know, strong, how do we make it relevant, how do we make it you know, uh, produce or uh, generate the quality that is required uh, for the country.
0: I'm going to take you back to your earlier on comment about free education the government mentioned in 2003. Now, in that regard, do you think that this has, has worked for us as Kenyans or against us?
1: I think um, when you look at free primary education, this Mm -hmm. was a good thing for the country. Of course, it has had its successes. It also has had its challenges. When you look at uh, uh, the overall or uh, what is expected in terms of uh, the education goal, when you you look at example, education for all uh, goals or aspiration requires that every child is able to access education. Mm-hmm. You know every child, our constitution talks about you know every uh, every child having a right to to education. Mm-hmm. So when you interpret that from our constitution, then that means all children who are of, of school going age mm-hmm. should be able to be in school. With the introduction of free primary education, this enabled mm-hmm. this aspiration to some extent. as much mm-hmm. as not one hundred percent students were able to access education, but a huge number was able to access. Just looking at the transition, two thousand and two, we had about six million children, you know, who got into primary education. After the introduction of free primary education in two thousand and three, this number increased to seven point three million. So we mm-hmm. had one point three million additional students who were able to access mm-hmm. education. So mm-hmm. yes, so when you look at it from that perspective, yes, it worked for us because we are getting more children mm-hmm. into the. Education system. Mm. This helps to improve a lot of things, build their foundation, because these are the people who will come and develop the country. You know, these are the people who will, you know, uh, help the country uh, reach its aspirations. Right now, we are talking about Vision 2030, that mm. has very clear uh, targets and aspirations. If we want to attain that level of middle-income country, you know, by 2030, we need to have a competent workforce. And how do we develop a competent workforce? Then we need to have developed very strong foundation for kids to be able to grow through their career paths, the education paths and career paths, and mm-hmm. come back with skills that are needed for the country, skills that are needed for the labor market. So on that perspective, I can say yes. But on the other hand, I think this transition happened over a very short time, mm-hmm. and there was no sufficient time for planning. And therefore, it got most of the processes and uh, systems uh, in the institutions uh, of guard There yeah. was no sufficient preparation time for transition. Mm-hmm. And therefore, some of the shortages that came in, of course, the overcrowding challenge came in yeah. very big. Um, lack of sufficient classes. Mm-hmm. And therefore, one of the ways the government uh, actually, you know, like one of the solutions for that will have been to construct more public schools in mm-hmm. the country. That means all these students can now be able to be spread and distributed in the many public schools. And this is in addition to adding classrooms in the institutions that had room or have room to be able to to increase uh, their classrooms. Teachers, teachers play a very key role Mm -hmm. because these are the mentors, you know, these are the people who provide uh, guidance to these young learners. And therefore, one of the challenges also that was faced by that is a shortage of teachers. You know. Yeah. We've seen incidences where a volunteer came in to support yeah. deeply in some of the institutions. and mm-hmm. uh, we have seen even all over media some police officers in some of the regions who volunteered, you know, to come to teach because they realized, you know, there was a huge challenge and especially mm-hmm. in the areas that have been affected less by conflicts and mm-hmm. something. So the issue of uh, teachers also became a huge challenge mm-hmm. as a result of uh, of of those changes I think yeah, yeah so just looking at it from that perspective mm-hmm. we have you know our challenges mm-hmm. that came in alongside the introduction of free primary education but they are also very good benefits what we mean is that a good number of Kenyans who are supposed to be in school young yeah. children were supposed to be school were yeah. able to
0: Access to so Gideon, uh, we have someone in the audience who actually commented on the earlier on question. In terms of uh, as Kenyans, what are we not doing right? Now, someone actually responded and said, uh, "What we're not doing right is that we don't even know our MTAs who would take up the refurbishment if these schools are local level. We must hold our leaders accountable, and we ma- and we can't do that without knowing who we elect." So the question he has is how might we keep our local leaders accountable?
1: I think that's a very, very uh, important observation that uh, he has uh, has made.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I think our leaders play a very critical role. I think one of the things we need to to, to realize when it comes to improving our education system is that political goodwill. Mm -hmm. The political goodwill has a key, uh, is a critical component in the success of our education system. Mm -hmm. Because we need first of all, uh, proper policies in place. Mm. You know, we need uh, proper frameworks uh, for implementation of our education system. Mm. And this f- normally happens at the political level. Of course, mm. with all other aspects of public participation and engagement and stakeholder engagement and so on. And I agree with him that, uh, yes, our leaders play a key role in that. Yeah. Yes, we. I think it's an eye-opener. For so every Kenyan to realize that the kind of leaders that we elect, you know, determine or have influence to the kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, education support to infrastructure mm-hmm. that you know we shall be able to have within our small regions if it's within our locations or within the villages uh, that we live in. So I think I agree uh, with him that yes, or with her that yes, the kind of leader, especially like the MCS. The members of parliament i think we have seen all over that some of them uh you know through the constitution uh constituent development fund and other you know funds they have been able to support the establishment of, of, of even more public schools mm-hmm. within their regions mm-hmm. and this is evident that uh, they are keen on making sure that their constituents are able to, and children from their councils are able to access education so i in agreement with him that let us also be keen on the kind of leaders uh, that we, we 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 elect, because yeah. they have also a direct impact on the kind of infrastructure that we put in place mm-hmm. in our constituencies, including uh, the schools and the okay. education.
0: Uh, now, if we have to refine our public schools, how how should we even start?
1: We need to first of all uh, evaluate our education system, look at. How is it performing so far? Mm-hmm. I think uh, already there are some efforts that have been done, uh, yeah. and especially in the interest of uh, looking at the success of uh, the competence based curriculum. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other day, I think last week, you saw a report that was presented on yeah. the task force that was looking into the competence based curriculum, and almost people have not been able to look at it yet. But I think those are some of the steps that we need to be able to go through. You know, we look at our, our education system. How effective is it? How efficiency is it? When we look at it from the input level, you know, are we, you know, giving the right input into the education system? Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at the processes uh, level, you know, are we doing the right things to be able to generate also on the other side the outputs mm-hmm. that are relevant and are needed for this country? Mm-hmm. So I think that is. The first process for us to be able to refine our public course because that will advise us whether the teacher capacity that we have is it the right one are we training our teachers in the right way or do we also need to reform the curriculum of the teachers because the teachers contribute to the way teaching and learning takes place so yeah. they contribute to the results of the teacher. That process will also advise us to know, Mm -hmm. is the kind of curriculum that we have, is it the right one? I think CBC is the right direction for us to go. We need to evaluate and look at how do we make CBC more successful, looking at it in a sustainable way. How do we make CBC work for a child in Nairobi and CBC work for a child in Turukana and CBC work for a child in Baringo or a child in Mombasa? So if we're able to go through such an evaluation process, it will give us these answers. Challenges to do with poverty levels. just looking at the level of poverty is extremely high. We need this child to go to school and learn. Yeah. Maybe they have not eaten. They have not, you know, taken food mm-hmm. uh, for the last one or two days. We expect this child to concentrate in class. Is it going to work? What do we need to do to be able mm-hmm. to bring, you know, a child from that kind of a community to a level where, They are also comfortably accessing their education and be aligned to attain the same goal and vision like a child in Nairobi. So that process, that evaluation process of our system will be able to give us these answers. Mm -hmm. You know, just trying to look at uh, our quality assurance systems in place, Mm -hmm. it will give us that answer. What kind of quality assurance system do we need to put in place? because this will ensure that constantly monitoring our system or our education system as a whole Mm -hmm. to make sure that it is generating the results that are needed. Mm -hmm. It's addressing the needs of the country, you know. It's generating a child who is able to fit in the society, you know, is able to provide solutions in his own or our own community, you know, to the country, to the region where he or she comes from. Right now, the way the country has reformed and the world has reformed, Mm -hmm. we need students who think in a different way. We need children who are innovative in their ways of thinking. You need children who have critical thinking and problem solving skills. You know, Mm -hmm. things to do with uh, imagination and creativity. This is the kind of child that you need in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. And therefore, with this kind of learner that we need in this current world then what do we need to do so this will be able to give us those answers
0: okay Gideon, uh thank you so much for that i'm i'm seeing we are almost out of time but just before we go i just like to know maybe you can just address this for us um now in terms of uh overcrowding in schools okay yes you had actually mentioned how it, it's actually a great concern but uh um, how are we going to address this as a nation yeah
1: i think um this might not have a very definite response, but uh, I think the major thing to look at will be, you know, how do we ensure we have more classrooms mm-hmm. in some of these institutions? That should be a kind of a direct solution for us to look at. Mm-hmm. And I think a bigger one is, how can you be able to get more public schools mm-hmm. within our various regions and locations? Because that ensures that children within a certain region have various options. Yes know they can be able to access different schools Mm. at the same time we need to bring in development partners to Mm. support support Mm. private schools uh, establishment as well because they provide alternative uh, location for these students Mm. learn and Mm. finally maybe just try to think is as a country can we use the double shift model that is being used by some of the other countries Mm. you know students coming in in the morning and maybe a at time. then in the afternoon another group comes in is it something that can work for us so i think that's also something for us to be able to explore
0: okay yeah. so um gideon we have someone in the audience who actually and they quote thank you very much for your valuable insights <laughs> now how how he asks how might we get to learn more about your talks or write-ups to get more informed
1: Thank you. I I appreciate, first of all, I think this is a conversation through Eddie's Kitchen that we can continue having. I think we can continue having more and more of these uh, sessions. there are any write-ups, I think it's something that we can be able to work with Eddie's Kitchen so that we have a platform where we can be able to share, you know, this kind of knowledge uh, so that we're able to sensitize, you know, the, the wider nation to be able to know how can we improve our uh, you know, our education system and also provide a f- platform for them to also give their inputs into it.
0: Yes, we'll have, uh, we usually have our weekly newsletters and in this newsletter, have the coming up week, it's on education, so you can get more information there and you can also log on to our website and you'll be able to be assisted. Lydion, I'll have to say thank you so, so much. It's been a pleasure having you here.
1: Thank you so much, uh, Clara. I really appreciate also for giving me time today. To be able to speak about uh, something I'm very passionate about.
0: Thank you so much, Gideon. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, we shall see you next time, uh, next Wednesday, same time. Have a great day. Bye bye.